Does history matter? Well, that's the question today, as history is changed, ignored, or even revised. We have a situation today where the question is, does history matter? And I believe it does. A clear path forward requires looking back and learning. Good public policy requires human connection. It's a consideration of the facts, applying common sense, and innovation. It's urban, it's rural, it's real life. We all have something to contribute. We all have a responsibility to get informed because there's a little piece of Canada in all of us, isn't there? Let's learn on this path together. This is Leaders on the Frontier. I'm very excited today to have a very special guest, Dr. Jerry Bowler. Jerry is a historian and also a senior fellow with the Frontier Center for Public Policy. And a warm welcome, Jerry. Glad to be here. Well, Jerry, we're glad that you're here today because, um, you know, history is important. And uh, I want to just be upfront with the question, why should Canadians care about history? Canadians should care about history because it is a deep, deep part of being a Canadian. You can't be anything without history. You can't be a family member. You can't be an individual. You certainly can't be a citizen unless you have memory. And history um, of a nation is our collective memory. So in many ways, our memory is our story. And everybody has a story, both individually as a community, but also as a nation. Is that right? Absolutely. And the stories that we tell about ourselves um, profoundly affect uh, how we live, how we view the government and our neighbors and how we proceed into the future. If and, and, we how we, are, and how we treat each other, is that right? Well, true. Um, are, are we neighbors? Are we bound in some project together? Um, nationhood implies that, but lately um, uh, people have been working against that concept. All right. So I do want to get that get to that, that issue in a, in a second here, but... One of the questions I do have is about the story of our incredible country, Canada. I think of so many stories. I think of, well, the railway. I think of the explorers. I think of the Aboriginal peoples. I think of um, this incredible country founded sea to sea. So what, in your mind, as a historian, makes this country, Canada, so special? I think one of the the special things about it is uh, our inheritance um, from the British and what Canadians did in the 19th century to create a new kind of democracy. Um, we worked together, um, uh, Canadian politicians and, and British politicians, to create an independent dominion, um, a, a process that was imitated around the world, places like India, uh, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Jamaica, Um, All these places are um, essentially run on the model that uh, Canada negotiated in the middle of the 19th century. That's one thing. Uh, It it is a thing because it is so blinking successful. It Mm -hmm. it is a a wonderful model uh, for the world. There are all kinds of unsuccessful models of governance, but who has had um, the bliss of uh, uninterrupted uh, democracy the way the Anglosphere has. Ain't nobody. 
Yeah, um, no, it's, 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 a, it's a very powerful reminder, Jerry. In fact, you know, when you think of it, it's not like we've had a civil war. Like our our neighbors to the south, the United States had a massive civil war. And that's a story of many countries around the world, isn't it? Is, is one of violence where, in fact, we've been able to live peacefully together as such that we've been successful. And we still, to this day, we have a record number of people coming to our country. I think it's almost a million people. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. Uh, we are a model. Um, our combination of, of a market economy, our history of judicial fairness, our personal attitudes of, of tolerance and acceptance, these things aren't accidental. They, they don't happen um, by a, a stroke of luck. They are carried out generation after generation. Families, communities, provinces, federal government agree that these are Canadian values. And now we have a government that denies there's such a thing as a Canadian okay. value. So when you say Canadian values, you mean in the sense that, like, so, so give me an example. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. There are a lot of things that make Canada successful that don't appear in laws. Um, things like cooperation, helping your neighbor, um, being friendly and welcoming. Um, uh, Tremendous outreach uh, to uh, refugees, to asylum seekers, to migrants. Uh, these things aren't mandated by the government, but they're things that Canadians agree on. Um, so traditions or values like the rule of law, like that no one is above the law, including the, the king or the queen or the prime minister, or things like evidence or facts, those are important values that have made our society pretty successful, would you say? Well, look, we're a high trust culture. Um, what an incredible thing to have. Um, I, I, I had uh, some bicycles for sale one time and some um, foreign students from the university came and to look at them. I said, well, take them for a ride, go try them out. Mm -hmm. He was astonished that I would let my bicycle out of sight, but that's what a high trust culture does. We have um, a revenue gathering system that pretty much relies on what people tell the government about, about what we made. Mm -hmm. um, we lose that at our peril. Again, that's not a government mandate. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that has culturally developed uh, over the centuries that uh, the Europeans have been in North America. So we've inherited this incredible tradition that goes back some thousand years and more. And that's something that is incredibly valuable because not only is it about our prosperity, like you can't, you can't have a prosperous society. And that's really only been in the last 200 years or so that we've had a, you know, such a prosperous society that we can even have this kind of technological conversation that we're having now, um, let alone live in peace and harmony and work together and even have healthy debate about what the truth is or what the facts are. Is that right? Well, it's, uh, you, you touched on it with, with the word debate. Um, mm. Canadians have tended to settle things by debate. And the, the current trend of, of cancel culture, of decree of things to be out of bounds, the science is settled, uh, this is genocide, this is undeniable. Um, if you disagree, you are not just a bigot, you are probably worthy of being uh, jailed. Uh, 
so un unless we agree um, that debate is, is the Canadian way, the way forward, we are in for big trouble because okay. it always rebounds. Any kind of tyranny will end up eating its own children. So those who are triumphantly uh, canceling, blocking, deplatforming today um, will undoubtedly find themselves on the opposite end when that dialectic works its way through. So that, that's a really um, powerful warning to all of us to, to cherish these traditions and these values that have allowed us to become so successful as a nation. So you're, you've been very critical um, of the Canadian government's um, attempt to erase or change uh, those traditions or history. So I'd like to start off with an example um, with um, uh, Canada's passport that just came out uh, the last few weeks, the changes. And it's interesting, there was no public debate, it was just announced. Um, so let's just use an example. I think we've got an image here that we can bring up. Here's an example of um, the new uh, part of the passport. We've gone from really an incredible uh, historically based passport to, well, there's a snowflake, there's a number of stick people, there's even a a squirrel eating a nut. Um, they took away Nellie McClung, uh, took away Terry Fox, who united a nation, um, even Vimy Ridge. Do, do those things matter as symbols, Jerry, in your mind? They should. Um, and I was delighted to see them on the passport. Uh, that's the kind of thing that should be on our currency. There should be pictures of them in every public building. Um, you want to see them uh, on coins. Um, Everything that uh, stamps, the things that we do as a nation should reflect the ties that bind us. Um, I'm not sure chipmunks are, are especially the, um, the binding agent that a nation uh, in crisis uh, really needs. And it, it's typical of, of this trend in thought that erases everything that's real with the abstract. Hmm. Um, this is, uh, uh, well, let me, let me complain about the metric system, for example. <laughs> the metric system is, is a wonderful, rational notion. Uh, if you accept that one ten billionth of the distance from the North Pole to Paris is the standard by which you are, you're going to, to measure everything. I mean, divisible by 10 is fine. Um, but I'm old enough to remember when the metric system was introduced. Um, I use the metric system uh, in, in my science classes. I'm perfectly happy with milliliters and, and uh, meters and so on. But uh, the government uh, under Pierre Trudeau decreed that for some reason, um, to catch up with the rest of the world, we ought to convert to the metric system, despite the fact that our biggest trading partner uh, by far was the United States that still uses uh, imperial measurement. Yeah, All point. of a sudden, things became abstract. You used to know what a foot was. A mm. foot was about the size of your foot. Right. A yard was, you know, about the length of your arm. You, mm -hmm. you knew um, what a mile was, even though it had to be divided by 5,280 feet or 1,760 yards. Um, and uh, an inch was three barley corns uh, across the thumb. So all of this stuff had meaning, and yet it's replaced by something quite abstract. So, so these 
it's like you're challenging us to think about how these seemingly smaller things are historical references that matter to our tradition and our way of thinking and relating to each other and the cost as well economically. Now, when it comes to the passport, one of the things that strikes me about the passport is that they've taken really all the individuals, the people that that kind of represent the incredible diversity of the Canadian story out of the passport. Like you don't have those heroes um, that are like Nellie McClung and Terry Fox and let alone the, you know, what the Battle of Vimy Ridge represented in terms of people who love their country so much that they gave their lives uh, in that war. I mean, it seems that, does that strike you as well, Jerry? Well, it's, it's the real to the abstract. Um, mm. We know Terry Fox's story. Uh, we admire him. We know what went on, or we should know what went on at Vimy Ridge. There are geographical um, pictures in, in the passport as well of real places. This is what a particular place in Newfoundland looks like. This is what the prairies look like. That's, that anchors us. We nod and we say, yeah, that's, that's us. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you wipe away the past and, and present a, a blank space or abstract symbols, you've got nothing. And that is exactly what a certain kind of government wants. A certain kinds of government want people unanchored from the past, unanchored from meaning, so that they can impose new values on them. This is what every revolution, back to the French Revolution in the 1790s, has done. All right. Well, speaking of revolution, I want to show some pictures as well of one of a number of examples in Canada where people are like a mob attacking uh, and vandalizing uh, significant statues that represent our history. So I want to turn now to these pictures of the taking down of the um, the statue of uh, Queen Victoria, no less, on the grounds of the Manitoba legislature. Um, so these pictures, uh, this is the, the example of the statue being torn down. And this is on July 1st, Canada Day, uh, 2021. Um, so as you can see, it's it's been vandalized. And to this date, um, the statue has not been rebuilt. Um, so should we care about that? Was Queen Victoria, was she just all bad and, and evil? I know no one's perfect, but how do we put that into perspective, Jerry? Queen Victoria was the person with whom the Aboriginal tribes of the prairies signed the treaties, the so-called sacred treaties. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they're going to attack that symbol, then it, it seems to me a, a little counterproductive. But what Victoria means to most people, or certainly meant to the people that, that set her statue up on the legislative grounds, was she stands for this British tradition of rule by law, of democracy, of creating a country that bound two rather hostile groups together in an arrangement that has uh, worked out well for both of us. It's um, People didn't give it a lot of chance, a lot of hopes. Back in the 1860s, we were threatened by any number of things and, uh, and have been ever since. Um, so you're saying that, that so, this is a, an important mm-hmm. symbol of the founding of our, our nation as Canada and working together across peoples, including with Aboriginal peoples, ironically. So 
tearing down the statue doesn't really make any historical sense, does it, Jerry? No. Well, it it it, it makes sense to a certain mindset, okay. and that that is to show contempt for the Canadian project. Uh, all of these things are united to um, discredit Canada. Um, mm. There was what, a time. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by discredit Canada? Well, remember. Um, when Canada always used to appear at the tops of happiest countries, most successful countries, least corrupt mm-hmm. countries. That was a thing that governments, e- even liberal governments under Chrétien, for example, uh, trumpeted. Look at what we've done. And right. look indeed at what we had done. Mm-hmm. But the attitude of, of, of the government today is, is one of shame, that Canadians should be ashamed of our past, that we are a nation of genocide, um, built on stolen land. Um, Well, this enables all kinds of social engineering that otherwise would have been impossible. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and it's been an enormously successful campaign. I mean, most people uh, believe in that. Uh, All our institutions say so. Uh, The Canadian Museum of Human Rights, a, a museum one might have thought uh, staffed by um, professional academics who, who know truth from a lie, uh, have been foremost in um, promoting the, the notion of, of Canada as a genocidal state. It's almost like they're trying to smear Canada as all bad, when in fact we know that Canada is a very successful nation, it's a very tolerant nation, uh, no one is perfect, but we have an incredible nation, but they want to they want to paint it all as as dark terms. And so I do want to go through a little bit about how they're going about that. And I know you've, you've said things like they're either ignoring history, they're changing history or changing the language or erasing history. So let's just talk about erasing history. How are they going about erasing history? Can you give some examples? Yes. Um, we can talk about it in terms of disappearing statues. John A. Macdonald, where is he now? He's behind, um, Plywood, right? He, he is a figure of shame, taken out of of, of legislatures and and, yeah. and put in, in the storeroom. And, and this is absurd it. because you know Sir John A. Macdonald was an incredible prime minister, um, a very uh, insightful leader who brought this nation together. So they're erasing history. Um, what about ignoring history? What do you mean by that? Well, there are all kinds of things that Canadians ought to be proud of. The primary one is that we are not Americans. Not not that we have anything against Americans, but Mm -hmm. Americans have tried again and again and again to take over the country militarily. Mm -hmm. How many Canadian school kids can tell you of the ways and the battles with which we rebuffed them? Uh, Like the War of 1812? Are you talking about that? Um, not just the War of 1812, um, the invasion of 1775-76, the invasions from 1866 to 1866 or 1868 uh, carried out from Manitoba East um, by the Fenian Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, right. Yeah, how- so these are all important examples of ignoring history. What about changing history? What do you mean by that? Well, uh, chief among those is, is the uh, Indian Residential School Project. Mm-hmm. which was an ambitious attempt to acclimatize prairie natives to the 19th century, to do to them 
what every school now does to immigrants from Nigeria and, and Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. uh, to teach them English, to teach them uh, the ways of a market economy, and to uh, provide them with uh, rudimentary skills to get them into uh, a position of, of self, um, self-supporting. We've changed that to uh, a history of shame, genocide, murder, rape, um, torture, uh, unbelievable stories mm-hmm. believed uh, in all innocence by the majority of Canadians. But we, Richard, you're, not, sure you're not denying, though, that there were abuses or, or terrible mistakes made at residential schools, though. Like the residential school that. system was, as every government initiative uh, from the 19th century on, was underfunded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would never send my child to a boarding school. The, the ills of, of a boarding school are well known to everybody. So an underfunded, um, under-supervised system produced individual harm mm-hmm. in, in many cases. In this day and age, what can we do in terms of realizing that we're kind of, are we at a fork in the road, uh, Dr. Bowler, in terms of um, this project called Canada? Are we going down a path where we may we may f- lose our country? Is Are you that concerned? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Canada is not a necessary country. It, it's not a country that exists uh, for historical reasons or geographical reasons. It's not an ethnic state. Um, we, we don't have a thousand years of history like uh, Luxembourg or, or 2000 years of history like France. We are the frigid half of North America strung along the 49th parallel, bound by a set of negotiations. Mm. Yes, we don't want to do this, but we will because you will do this for us. But these negotiations are coming apart. We are less and less um, tolerant and um, we are, are being continually divided. Uh, yesterday, I, I went to the hospital and was asked my race, and I refused to answer. So you were asked your race. Why? Yeah. Uh, the Department of Health is collecting racial data. Hmm. Well, they can do without my particular uh, datum. Um, so anyway, that, that's what I mean. Um, the Faculty of, of Education at the University of Manitoba gives precedence to certain races, to certain mental health conditions, to certain genders. It discriminates against certain races, certain genders. That's no way to sustain a nation. So in many respects, uh, Jerry, you're, you're really challenging us to say, look, how do we open our eyes to what's happening in terms of attacks, not only on our history, but our shared values our agreements about how we work together in a civil way uh, in peace and that we continue to build our country rather than just tear it down. A lovely, lovely sentiment. Um, it's, it's very difficult when the enemy holds all the high ground. Um, when media in this country is dependent on the government purse through a technological revolution. Um, Sorry, you've powerfully outlined, uh, Jerry, about how 
um, this type of perspective, this kind of radical leftist view has taken over many of the institutions in Canada, particularly uh, the humanities of our universities. So what can a citizen do um, when they look at the changes of the Canadian passport to all kinds of other things that are happening around us? What is a positive call to action that we can take as citizens to deal with this? Canadians are historically, by nature, I would say, not enthusiastic participants in the political process. And the fact is that a small number of radicals will beat an infinite number of people who only want to be left alone. Mm. So citizens will have to do the following. Every time they are outraged, write to your school board, your city council, your provincial government, your federal government, your board, uh, whatever you happen to be um, offended by. You have to vote. You have to join a political party and be prepared to be disillusioned, to hold your nose at the process because every political party is um, a set of compromises. Okay, so, so just to finish off the call to action though, we have the opportunity not only to speak up as citizens, that's very vital, call your elected official and, and complain, why isn't that uh, statue of Queen Victoria being rebuilt proudly? Um, I think also we have communities that are looking at canceling Canada Day, but there's been such a, uh, 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 a response of outrage that now those, those Canada Day celebrations are continuing. Those are important, are they not? It is. And, and one thing I would say is that um, people who uh, subscribe to mainstream media ought to hang their heads in shame. You've got to put your money where people are finding out the truth. Go to places like Substack. Go to think tanks like the Frontier Center for Public Policy and donate there. If you want your voice to be amplified, do it in places like that. Um, because the number of truth speakers in Canada is, is small, but it has to be increased. So join a political party subscribe to reporters who are doing honest reporting, subscribe to research centers that do uh, honest and painstaking research. Well said. Jerry Bowler, historian, author, and commentator, as well as senior fellow at the Frontier Center for Public Policy. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about why history matters and why your voice matters as well. My pleasure, David. Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier. Visit fcpp.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free. Comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.